Welcome in. This is 300 Yards to Unknown, a golf podcast that starts with golf and who the hell knows where it's going to end up. Uh, Joining me again, you might see his work on The Score. You might see his work on Twitter at EPATGolf. It's Eric Patterson. What up, dude? Good to be back, Rick. Excited for uh, episode number two. Um, Yeah, a little bit more to talk about and a little bit uh, fewer days to until... The balls are in the air. We are recording this. Uh, I don't even know what day it is. Tuesday morning on the West Coast, so just in the afternoon on the East Coast. Um, we are nine days away from live PGA Tour action, man. It's uh, yeah. The odds boards are out. There's you know, people are starting to talk about it again. Getting the uh, getting pretty excited. With that being said, uh, the the return to golf is not necessarily without any bumps in the road. Uh, John Deere Classic has been canceled, but uh, it seems like reports have it where they're just going to potentially play Muirfield Village two weeks in a row. Is that I mean that that seems like the most logical way to deal with a a cancellation. Yeah, that's what I've seen as well. It makes a lot of sense. They don't have to travel. I mean, it's a nice. Nice enough course. I mean, it's kind of weird that it'll be back-to-back events. I'll be interested to see what what they call it, or if they, you know, there's field changes. It could just be exact same replay of the week prior. But it's you don't have to make guys travel, same hotels. So it's the simplest solution to a complicated problem. I um, yes. So uh, I have a couple of thoughts about this. How it'll be weird. There's there's probably never been a time where they've used the same course back-to-back weeks right for two different events this has got to like never have happened before yeah i, I don't have the history of books in front of me but I, yeah. you're probably safe assumption there yeah that's uh, yeah i did not look that up i'm assuming that is the case outside of like war times or something like in modern history of golf yeah. this has probably never never happened before um or you know assuming it is going to happen so a couple of things um how crazy is okay? So say say we go back to back weeks at Muirfield Village or anywhere for that matter. Uh, fantasy golfers, okay, will basically just roster whatever the optimal lineup was from the week before, right? Like they're like, oh, they're they're hot, same course, run it right back. Like let's play the same lineups. It's like perfect course history, recent form <laughs> yeah. combination that we've never had before. It's gonna be yeah, you, pretty much contrarian, just gonna be. Who missed the cut last week and <laughs> roster those guys? Who missed the Completely cut? Yeah. And we can't even say, oh, we missed the cut and got to uh, the next place early because, like, everyone has still been there the whole time. Yeah, um, they're just floating around. I am – okay, will will this be the only cancellation? Like, like, obviously we have no idea and things change so quickly, but, like, what's your hunch on how this schedule kind of shakes out, you know, July, August from here on out? Uh, I, it's a state by state thing. And I guess Illinois, um, might have like some of the stricter rules. I, I don't know personally all of the state requirements and stuff like that, but it sounds like it should be. I mean, they're talking about fans being allowed at some of these events and that's what the tournament, uh, I guess the organizer of the John Deere classic said that, um, they were willing to host it. It just, as soon as fans weren't allowed on the grounds, they had to cancel it. So unless other tournaments see that being as like a financial downfall, they're just, you know, there's no point in running the event without fans. Right. Um, And again, that was a state restriction. So it's not like it was 
they were willing to have fans on the property. They just weren't allowed. So I don't know all of the state by state requirements, but I could see this being the only one. My fingers are crossed for that. But again, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I have to look into this. So from what I understand, like objectively, Illinois been fairly good with this COVID stuff. So from what I understand, I think they were the first state to hit all of the CDC milestones that they put out. Um, and whether that means they've, they've done it because of strict things like this, that, that might be the case of why we're not getting, uh, golf and the PGA tour in Illinois. But I guess where this lends me or leads me is we might see another cancellation or whatever, but now I'm much more optimistic that there won't be a gap in the schedule. They'll just play like wherever they played the week before twice in a row or wherever they're going to play the next week twice in a row, which I think is logical and and kind of keeps me hopeful that there will be a lot of golf over the next, geez, Eric, 14 months. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I've always thought like it's the PGA Tour loves having a weekly event, but like what's wrong with taking a week off? I don't, I get like, you obviously want to fill TV slots, you want to have eyeballs on your sport, but like this is a perfect time. You can just take a week off. Like there's no, we've had a bunch of weeks off in the past. This is an opportunity to just take a week off, you know, let it breathe a bit but they're just going to go right back to the same course and do something exactly the same. Another 72 hole tournament at the exact same course with probably the same players. It's just like, they don't really care like that. It's a repeat product. They're just willing to golf as golf, I guess. Can I offer a reason on why they don't take weeks off, Eric? Um, go for it. I'm going to think it's the bank account. I think that's yeah. probably the reason that they don't want to take, especially but now. Yeah, well, especially now because we've been off for three months. But but you're right. I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Okay, how about this? How about just play an eight-round event? Like, let's just go. Like, let's just play this straight through eight rounds, make a cut through four, and turn this into some, like, massive thing. Eight rounds, or you do, like, the first – a two-week event. The first is stroke play, and then they do a match play after that or something. I don't know. There you, you could, go. I like that. It's less golf for the guys. You could – they're obviously not going to do it, but it would be no. cool to like have a cut, seed the guys, and then have a, a four day match play tournament the following week. They will not do any of this, but no. it will be it, it something would be different, fun. but no, they won't do it. Yeah, I uh, very much in favor of, especially now, things are weird, dude. Like, embrace it. Uh, yeah. Do something crazy. Like, give us eight rounds, cut it, cut it after four, go to match play. I don't care. Let me see a bunch of different stuff. Um, so that's JDC. That's the, that's the John Deere classic. Uh, the other news that came out, I guess it was yesterday, was this PGA Tour University, which is essentially a, a streamed, streamlined effort uh, to get graduating seniors from college onto the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, the way I understand this, Eric, is the top five guys in this new NCAA ranking system uh, at the end of the year, at the end of the season for them, would get uh, automatic access and, and um, a card on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then players 6 through 15 would have their choice of joining, I think it's uh, PGA Tour Latino America, PGA Tour China, or McKenzie Tour, I believe. Am I understanding this correctly first off? Yeah, I was waiting for you to slip up there, but you nailed it. <laughs> okay, so um, the big question, so I, before I reveal whether I hate this or I love this, uh, is why is the tour doing this? I mean, I, I guess they've seen the success of college golfers coming out of, like, university. Obviously, it was an influx of, um, they weren't seniors, but they were still, 
you know, elite level talent and they just don't want these guys going through a slump and getting stuck on some of their lesser tours or, you know, playing mini tours and just not making the jump to the PGA tour. So it's just a, a little bit of cohesion between college golf and the PGA tour, which seems logical, like every other kind of pro sports yeah. league has this in some form. I guess that's kind of what makes golf different is that, you know, once you graduate, aside from like the top guys who are going to get um, exemptions into a, a bunch of events, um, yeah this gives them a way to kind of path, like create a path for them and, uh, you know, not get lost in the shuffle. But again, you could argue that that's what makes golf great and everyone kind of has a fair chance, but I don't mind it. It's only for seniors. So it's not going to be like, there's, you're still going to have the wolves. You're going to have the hope ones coming out of school early to, to make the jump. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's going to make college golf a little more interesting too, I think, and, uh, bring more eyeballs towards it. So, um, right. So this is for, you have to be there at least four years or you can, uh, be eligible for this if you've graduated in three. So this is not a, um, an attempt to, uh, I don't know, make it easier for like one and done guys or two and done guys like you might see in, in other sports, but, um, it's really without something like this, Eric, it is really hard to qualify like out of college because what the, the, the time that their season ends, you know, what we generally see is the better amateurs. If they've qualified for something like the U S open, they, they, they need to stay an amateur, you know, previously, and then they will declare after. And then to your point, they'll try to get as many sponsors exemptions as they can to try to earn enough money to kind of do, you know, what Victor Hovland did where he even had to go down to the corn Ferry tour finals. So I think this, it makes sense. Uh, but and the last part of your point, Eric, was it makes college golf more interesting, which it appears and we don't have any of the details of this, that the Golf Channel is going to show a lot more college uh, events. And with this new ranking system, you're going to know like, hey, here's a here's an event with so and so teams. They, there's two guys ranked inside the top 10. You know, there's a big difference between fifth and sixth in those rankings. I, I think it does make college golf more compelling and we will probably know a lot more of these guys as they come out and try to earn their status on tour yeah you you nailed it on the on the head there i guess it's definitely going to make it more watchable more trackable you're going to know who's making the jump who's getting stuck in the mckenzie tour and you're also going to like just yeah shed a light on these guys kind of what we've seen with the outlaw tour they're unfamiliar names that people haven't heard of or they're seeing for the first time and then you'll learn their backstory where they played college golf and you can kind of track them a different way as opposed to just you know figuring out who does, who's a pga to a rookie and just kind of tracking them from there so i i just i don't think it's going to be a huge change i think these top guys will probably find a way to the corn ferry tour anyways and once they are on the corn ferry tour like you said it's only the last portion of the season they have to acquire enough points that they're not like just guaranteed full status for the following year after that. So it's only a handful. It's like the end of the summer season type stuff. And then they are exempt into final stage of uh, corn ferry to a corn ferry tour qualifying. So there are, there are some advantages and just, uh, yeah, adds a, adds a nice element of uh, tracking for us. 
I'm interested. I, I actually, I think I like this. So we'll, we'll see how it actually uh, pans out. I'll, I'll be interested to watch more golf, you know, because we knew of guys like Matthew Wolf, like Victor Hovland. If we got a couple extra opportunities to see them on Golf Channel beforehand, it would have been pretty cool. So looking forward to it. Uh, some books out there, Eric, are already looking forward to Tiger versus Phil part three. We're like a week out from part two. The last one had like two years in between. Uh, we're already looking at, at, at Tiger versus Phil three, where you can now bet on who their playing partners are going to be. This seems premature at best. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's just books needing to take money on something, <laughs> so they're gonna throw out any line they can find. People are speculating, I guess, of who's gonna be with partnered with who. I have no idea. Um, no. There's obviously names floating around, but it is extremely premature. I'm. Definitely excited for the PGA Tour to get back so we can kind of move on to regular betting lines and not these uh, exhibition matches. But yeah, there's some interesting names on there. I saw you talking them up. Yeah, so I mean, like, okay, so the the favorites, so to speak, uh, that are being offered are like Steph Curry, Tony Romo, which I think make a lot of sense, right? Like, that's that's logical. They are athletes um, who are single-digit handicaps or better. I mean, Romo's got to be a scratch golfer, right? I mean, he's a he's legit. Yeah, he's He's a zero. Um, but like, it's weird because because the quarterbacks thing made sense. Like two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, some of the other names on the list go outside into the world of pop culture, whether it's music or television. I mean, Larry David is like five to one or whatever. Like, first of all, I all in on that. Like, get. But I don't. I don't think that would be good television. Well, it wouldn't be. It would be good television for like me. But, yeah. like, not the general viewing public. So I, I'm afraid we don't have enough guys, unless you're willing to roll out, like, a 25 handicapper, that will make this interesting enough, or, or we're going to run out of them very quickly. Yeah, I think we, we touched on that briefly last week because of, like, the MJ rumors. It just mm-hmm. you, got, you can't run yourself thin too quickly. Um, I liked your take on uh, Samuel L. Jackson with the Capital One Insider. <laughs> he was a bit of a long shot. I could see them just doing, like, a – full-on sponsorship type thing capitalize on on who they're paying i guess capital one wants their their yeah. get their money's worth he's made appearances before so i i don't mind uh i don't mind that but i'm definitely not going to be clicking it yeah so that that is me being uh unbelievably pessimistic about the way that these things are kind of put together which is like I could see them having Samuel L. Jackson out there just to be like the capital one what's in your wallet guy and just selling out for it. Like I could see that. Like I'm yeah. not, I don't give them a, a lot of credit for being able to do it. But I mean, if you think about the, the two favorites, Steph Curry and Tony Roma, like, um, okay, if they're the partners, that's not that good. Like, like who, who yeah. they're, that's not, people aren't going to watch in the same way that Peyton or they're going to watch for Peyton and Tom Brady. Um, Steph's great. But, like, Tony Romo, I feel like isn't, you know, he's fine. There's not going to be that much banter. To, do they know each other all that well? Like, it's just, I feel like the the more of these that we do, the more awkward they're going to get. Yeah, like, you'd have to, you'd want to keep it within the sport if, like, Curry and even, like, Andre Iguodala. Yeah, that'd be, be better. That'd be better. Former teammates. Um, but, again, you're basketball. I don't know. What's that, the crossover there? Uh Maybe that, not as much as football. Um, that's why I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to just keep – they're going to have to go to pro players. So it's going to have to be Tiger and Phil along yeah. with Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas or something like that. And it's going to be more golf-oriented and you won't break into the mainstream as much. But, like, I, 
you cannot replicate the quarterbacks thing over and over again. Like that, it's going to be really hard. I mean, I hope they don't, you know, run this thing into the ground and it's over. It's lost its allure after a couple, you know, one more match, and then we're kind of sick of it. It seems like they have something that they can run with, and I just hope they don't overdo it. And I wouldn't mind like another two-year break and come back and figure it out there. I guess Tiger and Phil would both be a little bit older. That Phil would be into yeah. his fifties. Um, I don't know how much more golf I want to see of Phil Mickelson into his fifties. But you mean uh, you don't want to see Phil Mickelson? Uh, PGA Tour champions eligible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a cornball. Yeah. Um, well, I think we can agree one of the best things that came out of that was the mic'd up players. Uh, and there has been this kind of, I think Charles Barkley mentioned it. Uh, JT might have chimed in on it, but there's kind of been a, a growing contingent, and maybe it's just on Twitter, of wanting to see guys mic'd up during PGA Tour action, especially because there will be no fans out there. Uh, giving a little insight. So I guess the, the the most logical place to start with this, Eric, is would guys be willing to be mic'd up when they're paying playing for $1.2 million? It's a tough one. It's, it's <laughs> really tough. Um, there's definitely pros and cons to both. Um, I would, as a, it really depends on what they're going to use the audio for. If it's going to be live 100% of the time, like picking up everything, then, players would definitely be a little more hesitant if they're using it in some kind of post-production or even like just a replay of like how this shot, you know, went down or, you know, even if it's like a 10 second delay, like viewers at home barely know what's a live shot and what's not. So (laughs) they definitely do not know what is a live shot and what is not. (laughs) So if they, if they see that there's a good conversation going on between, you know, caddy player or even player player, um, they can always cut to that. It just, I don't know how the PGA tour would intend to use the audio. I don't think they would, I don't know. It seems like a, another layer to the broadcast that they might not be prepared for. Um, I like, if I was a, like a Max Homa, I would be trying to find a microphone and mic myself up. <laughs> yeah. Like these guys should be looking for a different way to kind of promote themselves. And I think that's definitely one way of doing it. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think I think if we ever saw it, it would be in the similar route of what the NFL does, which is, you know, they've got guys mic'd up, but you see a two or three minute package, you know, coming out of commercial, going into commercial, whatever of, you know, funny things that happened or things that they were saying or someone calling an audible at the line. That's where we got the famous, you know, Sam Darnold saying, I'm seeing ghosts out there and everybody all upset that, you know, the NFL and the Jets or whatever approves that and let that go on there. So that's like. That is unfortunately what I envision when we talk about miking up players, not my ideal situation, which is everybody's got a mic on or around them, whether that is just booms everywhere or they're wearing mics and you put this thing on like pay-per-view and you charge $9.99 a month and you let them say whatever the hell they want. Like that's my dream scenario, but we are like 10,000 steps away from that. Wishful, wishful thinking. (laughs) How much would you pay for that? How much would you pay for a non-commercial, no commercials, no commentators, um, open mics, and you I don't I, I can't make this like the idea like you only get to watch like either one or two groups. So basically PGA Tour Live now, one or two groups, one or two holes, but everyone's mic'd up, no commentators, no commercials. How much would you pay for that? Uh yeah, i I mean PGA Tour Live should be mic'd up right now. So whatever they're charging, I'd pay I'd pay that. They yeah. that's how they should draw people in through PGA Tour Live if they want to promote that as a, like a secondary broadcast stream. They have they can pick their groups, they can 
you know, it's a lot easier to kind of yeah. navigate between a couple groups mic'd up as opposed to an entire field. So I think those guys should be, you know, if you're on PGA Tour Live, you have a mic on. Um, I just, I this isn't, this wasn't my kind of point, but um, I've heard it said that, you know, when John, remember when John Rom at the players was kind of <laughs> yes. roasting his caddy last year? Yes. Oh, like that, that shot trying then, to, out of the bunker trying to yeah. go over. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just kind of, it seemed like they were kind of in a kind of a tiff um pga tour put that video out and then deleted it afterward because it kind of made rom look like he was being an aggressor or not an aggressor but just kind of like fed up with his caddy or there was some kind of beef going on there so they they deleted that video which kind of just goes back to what we talked about last week and in the future that the pga tour is gonna try to protect their players as at all costs and putting microphones on them probably isn't the best way to do that God forbid we hear a passionate reaction from a guy on like like six holes away from uh, the largest prize pool and like deepest field in the sport. God forbid we hear that, Eric. Like how terrible would that be? One of the best interactions I've ever heard between a player and caddy. It just so it showed so much like emotion, raw emotion, like real a realness to it where you could see the caddy getting frustrated, Rom getting frustrated. It was just, it was so good and then yeah it's it no was, longer it was human it was human like it was these guys uh, most athletes are, are kind of put on this pedestal of being like you know oh unapproachable or untouchable these guys are gods whatever whatever golfers might not be the same way outside of tiger woods when he walks in a room it's completely different but like that was a human moment and it was awesome and like john rom's great like who cares air that everywhere that should that should have been like a commercial that the tour ran for years to come it I, I uh, second everything you just said. It's a, uh, it's a tough scene, but this is just kind of going back to, yeah, we're probably not going to get microphones unless something drastically changes. Um, yeah. I don't see it happening, but now would be a perfect time to, to roll that out. There's going to be so many, it's just going to be so weird to watch commentator try to facilitate the entire broadcast with, I don't know, not a lot of atmosphere. Um, a lot of the times they can just kind of be quiet and we can kind of hone in on the moment and, that's probably not going to be the case with no fans and it'll be interesting to see how the players are with with no crowds and not being able to get in the zone or whatever but uh yeah it's a interesting topic for sure last thing because this is a topic that um i blame you for for this topic uh and i want to talk about i guess okay so there was a tweet uh i guess it was last week where the first cut pod said, give us your hottest golf take. And I said that golf does not have a slow play problem, Eric. Now I should have clarified. First of all, let me, before I go in on this, I should have clarified the PGA tour does not have a slow play problem. Golf. When I go to the golf course and I watch some guy grind some 30 handicapper grind over like a four footer for three and a half minutes, that's a problem. Right. But like the PGA tour does not and i and and i actually blame you for this because uh you've been very good at your job of of you know letting us know what's going on right and if bryson's grinding over a a read for however many minutes on pga tour live it might be someone like you or you personally eric who posts that on twitter right so this is you know where i'm going you know what i'm talking about here i yeah i can be a little bit of an agitator i guess (laughs) i had to come after you for your tweet now, my question back to you is, so say you're stuck behind a guy who clearly hasn't played golf before or mm-hmm. is very new, yeah. but 
they're out there and they take three, four, five practice swings, real practice swings, not just going through a swing field. They're lining up, pretending to hit the ball. Yeah. Where do you think they're learning that from? Okay. I, this, I'm just this is like, the best. Kinda, this is the best argument, right? It's copycat. That, yes, this is the best argument, and it's it's the same in a lot of sports, right? And it's okay for the guys on the PGA tour to take three practice swings because they're playing for a million bucks and it's their career. But I understand what you're saying that, um, that trickles down. That's the best, that's the best argument you can make for the PGA tour. Glad I nailed it. Speed up. So, but, but my, my general thoughts on this are we get a lot of clips like that, right? Okay. JB Holmes is a different story because we know what was going on in 18, but like, these guys know if the group ahead of them is at a par three and they're waiting or something like that, and they're going to spend an extra 30 seconds looking at a putt. But my bigger issue with it is I think that Tiger versus Phil just showed us that even when there's not a lot of golf being played because there's a lot of downtime, it can still be entertaining. So I contend that the PGA Tour's quote-unquote slow play problem is more of an entertainment problem. If 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 I can't be entertained for two and a half minutes minutes while Bryson is is working on a putt, send me somewhere else or let me listen into the caddy read or whatever it is. It's it's not it's not just about him playing slowly. It is about keeping everyone's attention. Yeah, I have I I watch a lot of golf and there are times where I'm watching and I have to look away because I'm kind of bored with what's going on on the screen and like that's yeah. not good. They it's hard. It's extremely hard to keep someone, you know, captivated by what's on the screen for three, four hours. It's, I, I don't think there's a solution to that. They could obviously flip between golfers a lot quicker, a lot faster. Um, you know, we really shouldn't see, unless it's like big moments, big spots, like there shouldn't be any, the first few rounds should be rapid fire shots. Um, they're trying to, but they're trying to like create a story early or they're trying to highlight certain players i get you can't just go quick rapid fire and kind of lose you kind of lose your bearing on what's going on in the tournament but um yeah i i don't know Uh, it's a complicated problem i typically i will defer to a guy guys who are on the course saying that play is slow um i'm not out there Uh, i've been to a few tournaments and you're you know it's Sometimes it's a bit of a grind to watch a guy kind of pace off a chip shot and you're like, holy crap, I <laughs> hit the ball. Um, but I get it. Like they're playing for a lot of money. It just, I know one way for everything to get sped up and it's by enforcing the rules. And um, it's just something that has never, ever been done. So nothing's going to change until they start enforcing rules. And until then, guys will take as long as they want. Okay. The walking off of like a chip or a pitch, that's the one that gets me. It's like when the guy's like, he could be like 60 yards out in the fairway and he walks up to the green. I'm like, bro, you better knock this in if you're going to do that. Like if you're going to walk up there and not know that, you know, the green, green complexes or anything like that, you have to go see it for yourself. That's the one that gets me. Um, all right. Just, I could just to interject here. Yeah. I mean, you could just allow range finders. Yep. I mean, you know, they're going to get the exact pin location anyways. They have to do math. It takes time to do the math. Um, Bryson has a few more calculations than most, but you're going to get to the number. Obviously there's slopes in the greens that they're trying to account for, but that's all in their greens book. So if you have, if you can just gun the pin, you have the exact yardage of the pin, you know, there's a slope in front of it. You have your number so much faster than to pace something off or to go up and analyze the green. I just think that we've seen it the last two weeks, both, 
both those matches, they were allowed rangefinders. And I thought, um, you know, my, maybe it, maybe it, it's, it's something that is helpful for these guys. It allows them to be quicker. I mean, I just don't think it's going to take that much responsibility away from the caddy and it would definitely help speed up play. All in on rangefinders. I, I agree. It's a, it's a process that might, if, if it saves you 30 seconds, uh, 25 times around, there's 12 and a half minutes. You just knocked off the round right there. Um, 150 guys. Exactly. So it's just, yeah. yeah, it's silliness. Uh, Eric Patterson, what are you working on? Anything cool coming down the, the pipeline that we should be aware of? You put me on the spot with these cool things. I gotta, I gotta start I don't know, up cool, with... interesting or annoying, like fun. I don't know. Like what you tell me, you tell we me. We are. So I, yeah, I've, I've mentioned this before. My kind of feature series has been 50 days until golf, looking at interesting facts, records, people all related to the number that is existing, you know, time remaining till golf resumes the pga tour resumes and we're starting to look we're starting to look ahead so next tomorrow i have uh, eight questions that will be answered when the pga tour returns i got six guys that we're excited to see um four tournaments that we're looking forward to so wow. we're counting things down and uh it's a nice a nice change of pace as opposed to continuing to look at history it's like the 12 days of christmas Every day. It's been 50, though. It's been a long 50 one. days of Christmas. <laughs> um, I had a – oh, man, I wish I had it up now. I had a good random stat like two days ago, and now I cannot remember what it was. Oh, man, it's eating me alive. Oh, I found such a good one. And like sometimes I find one, and I'm like, oh, I'll save that for when that guy does something noteworthy, and then I'll tweet it, and then I just never – it never happens, and I forget Was it Tiger-related? Uh, I don't think so because I feel like I would have remembered that. I, I don't know. I did out. a deep dive on Justin Rose um, and like his rise to the number one and his fall. And like, it's, it is kind of crazy. Like the guy off the top of my head from like 2015 to 2018, I think he lost strokes off the tee like seven times in like whatever, how many years that is four years. And then he did it like seven of his last nine events just before he dropped Hanma, which is like kind of crazy. So I think that's a, that's a big story. I've, I, wrote a quick little betting preview today and just kind of looking at two reasons why I like Rose at colonial. Obviously he won in 2018 and uh, yeah, the club switch, I think it's, it's kind of a understated thing, but when someone gives up on endorsement money to pursue better results, you know, they're starting to take their game a little more serious. I, I'm all in on Rose uh, by buying him moving forward uh, for that exact reason. And also usually when, um, guys do switch clubs they are kind of doing it on the fly and they're learning about they're learning new things in tournaments and to have a three-month stretch where you could get dialed in and not have to learn on the fly feels incredibly valuable yeah it's it's 40 to 1 so i don't know how long that number is going to last but the it's uh it was nice to see those odds boards return with mcelroy thomas rom it was just uh pleasant sight to see it's like old times baby uh all right eric patterson you can find his work on the score you can find him on twitter it's at epat golf eric appreciate you coming on man thanks for having me rick looking forward to the next time all right this is 300 yards to unknown i'm rick game and hit me up on twitter at rick run good and we'll catch you next time